What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back on a Wednesday edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I'm joined by Rob Motti of 97.5 The Fanatic up there in Philadelphia. Rob, good morning. How are you? Hey, Chase. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Uh, how was Philadelphia handling uh, this turbulent off season for uh, for the Eagles? Oh, man, it's been all over the place from anger, resentment at how things unfolded to factions of the fans who wanted to see Carson Wentz gone to a bigger faction who will just answer everything that has to do with the Eagles with two words, fire Howie and that Mm. general manager, (laughs) Howie Roseman. They want him out and Really, when you look at this situation, it's been an organizational failure from top to bottom. The fact that we got here three years after winning a Super Bowl, two years after giving Carson Wentz a four-year, $128 million contract, Doug Peterson's gone, and now Carson Wentz is gone, but the GM is still in place. Do you suspect that will continue to be the case for the next several years? I don't anticipate any changes because Howie Roseman and the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, have as close of a GM-owner relationship as mm. I have seen in NFL in, in my 21 years covering the NFL for AP. I haven't seen anything quite like it. They're very close. And Howie did build himself some equity in winning the Super Bowl three years ago. So I, I believe they they will continue to be working tandem. And you'll have players come and go. You'll have coaches come and go. But the, the GM situation is going to stay the same until he wants to go somewhere else, if he ever wants to go anywhere else. So the only way I can see Jeffrey Lurie making a change is if fans stop coming to the games, and obviously COVID-19 aside, once they're allowed to come into games, but if fans stop coming to games and if, you're, if he's embarrassed publicly and, and things like that start to happen. But this fan base is such a strong, rabid fan base, you're not going to have non-sellouts you're just 2,000 3,000 4,000 10,000 fans may not want to come and there'll be other people to take their place so I don't anticipate that happening no it's kind of the Chicago Bulls New York Knicks problem where it's just they're always gonna be top three in attendance no matter what the it looks like on (laughs) on the court um were you surprised by what the Eagles got for Carson Wentz and also were you surprised the Eagles actually traded him no and no And, and I'll tell you why because when I got at the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago, I spoke to two league executives, two guys with different teams, and, and said, what is Carson Wentz's value? And um, both, both executives were not in the market for a quarterback, so they were looking at it objectively. And they said, Carson, one of the guys said anything in the in a first round outside the top five. I thought he was a little too optimistic. And then the other guy said, a first round pick, but it's got to be latter half, 16 to 32. So essentially what the Eagles got was a third-round pick and a pick that, in the Colts were wide. They knew that the Eagles didn't really have much of a market for Carson Wentz. He was coming off the worst season of his career, 
And, and they said, we'll give you a first round pick, but it's got to be conditional. So uh, as long as Carson plays the 70% of the snaps and they make the playoffs or 75% and they don't make the playoffs and something he's done three, four years in his career, they'll get a first round pick and a third. So I thought that was fair for where he is at this stage of his career. Uh, as far as them trading him, this was just something that once they went to Jalen Hurts and Jalen had a little bit of success and you were able to look to the future and say, we got a 4-11-1 team that's terrible with or without Carson Wentz. Best way to me, I thought, was to rebuild with a young quarterback and bring in some draft capital. And they got that. They got a young quarterback. Now, there are some people out there who believe they may eventually draft another quarterback with the number six overall pick. If they do, they're just inviting another quarterback controversy. And it really, to me, contradicts everything they did drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round with the 53rd overall pick. I believe this team is a rebuilding team. They got to stick with Jalen, allow him an opportunity at least one year as a starting quarterback, if not more, to see what he can do. And the key is, Chase, is when you acquire draft picks, you got to hit on them. And the problem with the Eagles has been since 2014, they've drafted one Pro Bowl player. And now that guy, Carson Wentz, is gone. That's a whole lot of draft picks and a whole lot of years where you haven't selected impact players. It's not that hard to make a Pro Bowl. I, I, I didn't even say all pros. I said a Pro Bowl player. And they only drafted one guy in the last seven drafts. That's not good. No, and we'll put a pin in uh, Jalen Hurts for a second because I do want to ask you about him. But in your estimation, if you had to characterize what happened in 2020 to cause them to go 4-11-1 outside of Wentz fall, and we'll we'll get into that in a second. But what um, did you did you see this coming? Was this kind of like what you're saying with the the draft failures and free agency issues and? the unavailability of a lot of key free agents. Like what, um, what would you describe um, or how would you describe uh, the 2020 fall of the Eagles? I think it was a perfect storm of everything that could go wrong went wrong because on paper going into the season, coming off a nine and seven year where they won the division, they look to be like a team that can win nine or 10 games. And I predicted that they'd win 10 games. I didn't expect them to have to use like 12 or 13 different offensive line combinations. They lost the right side of their offensive line, Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks, two Pro Bowl guys. Brooks didn't play at all. Lane Johnson missed most of the season. They lost their left tackle, their projected left tackle, first-round pick two years ago, Andre Dillard, for the season. Other guys were in and out of the lineup. And when you don't have continuity up front and you got pressure constantly on the quarterback, you saw what happened to Carson Wentz. He was consistently getting hit. He wasn't making good decisions. You had young wide receivers. You didn't have Deshaun Jackson available. Alshon Jeffrey wasn't available. So they had young wide receivers who were inexperienced, who didn't have any chemistry with the quarterback because there was no offseason because of COVID. And all of that added up to, and of course, you got to factor in Carson's inefficiency. He was terrible. Uh, all of that factored into just a horrific offense, and um, it it just snowballed, really. And there were some games that they were in that they were a play or two away from winning. Back-to-back games against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, where they actually scored 29 and 28 points before 
went and the offense really started to fall off. They scored 57 points in those two games against two pretty good defenses, two top 10 defenses. You would think you could do that. You should win those games. And instead they lose both games because their defense was atrocious too. Uh, and, and, and then it started to just bottom out after that. So there, there was a lot of factors that were involved, but I think the, the contribution of injuries, uh, ineffective quarterback play, and coaching was questionable too. Doug Peterson, his offensive system really didn't put Carson Wentz in, in a position to have success. It didn't really fit his strengths. And when you have young receivers, inexperienced line, and a quarterback playing that poorly, that led to what we saw in the field. And it was a terrible product, man. Do you believe that they didn't speak in terms of uh, Wentz and Peterson for eight to ten weeks or uh, the exact report? Do you believe that's possible? I don't know how that's possible, and yeah. I'll tell you what Doug Peterson told me because I spoke to him a few times after the season, and Doug himself characterized that as a false narrative. He mm. said that's not the case. He said that Carson and and he got along well, um, and that is straight from Doug Peterson. I asked other people about it, and they said we don't know how that's possible that the quarterback and the head coach don't speak for eight weeks or ten weeks, but obviously that's a report that's out there, and um, sources feed that information to reporters, and I think you got to question sometimes not the reporting or the reporter, but the validity of the source, and I know Mm -hmm. a lot of information has come from the Eagle side here, and they try to paint a story or try to paint a narrative to justify why they fired the head coach and why they traded the franchise quarterback two years after giving him a contract. Um, Doug Peterson has said nothing but positive about Carson Wentz, and Doug Peterson hasn't said anything critical or negative of the organization. Carson Wentz has not said a thing, period. He hasn't said anything at all negative of anyone. That's just not who he is. That's not in his character. And and I think that was that was certainly why he stayed quiet while all of this played out, while there was rumors and reports and accusations and just character assassination of Carson Wentz happening. He stayed quiet because there was nothing that he could say that could change the narrative once it's floated out there. And he really didn't want to say anything uh, without being, if, if he goes out there and he's trying to answer questions and he answers them honestly, it's going to come across in a negative or critical fashion. And that's not who he is. So he just stayed quiet. And I gave him a ton of credit because I don't know that I could handle that. I don't know if I could, if my character is being assassinated like that, I don't know if I could stay quiet. Well, considering you've talked to him since the, the dismissal, um, what do you what do you think Doug Peterson's next move is? Does he join as an offensive analyst at UL Monroe, his uh, back home in the the Warhawk land uh, with Terry Bowden <laughs> and uh, Rich Rod? Or what do you what do you think his next move is? Man, I think he definitely takes a year off to just relax, unwind. He's still getting paid, and he's getting paid very well from the Eagles. So I think he just sits out this year relaxes being a head football coach is a tough job it's a 24-hour job 365 days a year there was a lot of stress associated with the season in philly so i think the best thing for him is to just sit this one out obviously uh and then next year he can reevaluate whether he wants it i don't know if he'll get an opportunity to be a head coach somewhere he is a super bowl winning head coach so there's always that possibility that teams are going to tap into a guy who's had experience and won a Super Bowl. If not, maybe he ends up in a 
offensive coordinator role somewhere. I thought that maybe if Eric Bieniemy moved on from the Kansas City Chiefs and got a head coaching job, which he didn't, again, got passed over, that Doug would be a nice fit going to Kansas City uh, with Andy Reid, where he came from, and, and that's his mentor, and then maybe just hanging – uh, in that position until Andy Reid, I don't know when he'll be ready to move on. Maybe he'll retire in a couple of years, and and Doug hmm. could assume that job. And that that still to me is a possibility, but that's assuming that Eric Bieniemy gets a job somewhere else after next season. So uh, all of those factors are in play. But I think for this year, he just sits tight, he hangs tight, and and just relaxes and unwinds. Interesting. Um, do you do you think any of this happens if Frank Reich stays? Like, if he doesn't leave after the Super Bowl, he doesn't get the Colts job, and he continues working with Wentz, and Wentz doesn't get the new coordinators, and he doesn't lose DeFilippo, he doesn't lose Reich, and it's not um, uncertainty there, and the full stuff. Like, obviously, the full stuff and the injury stuff is out of his control, but in terms of Frank Reich and his just his fascination and what he did for Carson Wentz's development in 2017 and, like, his MVP-level play... Do you think any of this goes the way it does if Frank Frank Reich just stays on with Philly for several years, like Jim Schwartz did? Yeah, I, I think if Frank Reich was still here uh, in Philly, Carson may have had a, a a rise in his performance. So you you look at 2017 and he finished third in NFL MVP voting, and and you look at it statistically, he had a little rise the next year in 2018 in his quarterback rating, but really effectively his performance declined over the last three years. I think if Reich was still there, that was a a guy he trusted in. That was a guy who really was able to bring out the best in him. You saw Frank Reich bring out the best in Nick Foles. Nick Foles gave him credit for really unlocking his potential and helping him lead the Eagles to a Super Bowl. Uh, So I think if Frank was still here, Carson probably would definitely be here, and the Eagles might be in a, a whole different level of where they are right now organizationally. Instead, Frank Reich's in Indianapolis, and I think it was a great trade for the Colts because uh, I believe Carson Wentz can get back to that level he was at. I, I'm not convinced that he's a terrible quarterback. I'm not sure that he's a MVP-type caliber quarterback, but if I had a bet on it one way or another, I think Frank Reich can help him get back to that form as opposed to what we saw in 2020. And he's already joining an, uh, a playoff team in Indianapolis. This is a team that was a playoff team with Phillip Rivers. I think a healthy Carson Wentz with Frank Reich should be able to give them more offensively than Phillip Rivers, who really was a game manager at the tail end of his career. Yeah, I am. Um, it's it's one of the interesting what ifs um, that I, I do wonder about. Um, Jalen Hurts. It seems like people assume that this is a indicator that Philly is going to give him a real shot, but we already know that they are opening it up for. They want to bring in competition for Jalen Hurts. Um, I was pretty high on Jalen Hurts coming out of Bama and Oklahoma and just what he did in college and um, just having the chip on his shoulder. And he did not have a lot to work with, obviously, at the end of last season. He goes 1-3 and three and it starts, and there, I don't think there's much to make from that. But do you believe that Howie Roseman and this group and this new coaching staff with Nick Sirianni are going to give him every opportunity to succeed? Because he does have a good offensive staff around him now. Say what you will about the opening press conference from Sirianni. Um, not the best look. But their OC, Shane Steichen, coming from Los Angeles, he was the number one uh, play caller 
per PFF last year. So that's, that's a good thing. And what he did for Justin Herbert as a rookie, um, having just an, a great rookie year in Los Angeles, like that seems like that's a really good thing for Jalen Hurts and good thing for his development with this group and that he's going to be in a better offensive situation this year than he was last year. But then you look at the skill talent around him and you look at the cap situation where a sixth of the team will, is in dead money. Like the cap situation is just bad and they can't really fix it until next year. With all that being said, are they just looking at Jalen Hurts as like, hey, if he's good, we can trade and sell high after this year when we really reset and regroup and get our, our own guy at the top of the first round, kind of like what we did when we traded up for Wentz? Or do you think the the hope is that he's good enough and then if he goes 10 and eight, not even 10 and 6, like 8 and 8, 9 and 7 and just keeps him in the NFC East hunt for the majority of the year with a limited roster, they're like, okay, we can, we can win with this guy and win while uh, he's not making any money. Or do they look at it as like, by the time we retool this roster, we'll have to pay him, and then we're in the Dak Prescott situation. Like, I, I'm just fascinated by this team building process and where the Eagles are at. So, what what do you make of? Uh, I, I know I just threw a lot at you, but what do you make of that? <laughs> I I believe they ought to, right? They should give Jalen Hurts every opportunity to prove that he can be the future quarterback, the number one quarterback, the face of the franchise. And a lot will be determined over the course of the next six weeks because if they draft a quarterback at number six, then forget it. They don't have any confidence in Jalen Hurts because you don't draft a quarterback at number six and plan to hang on to uh, Jalen Hurts. But I I don't think they're going to go that direction. And we hear a lot about the class, the quarterback class next year, that maybe it's not that good. I, I, I don't know yet. So, I feel you, you have Nick Sirianni supposed to be a quarterback screwer. You have a young coaching staff. You have a quarterback's coach in Brian Johnson who's got familiarity with Jalen Hurts. He's a family friend. He's known him since he was younger. Interesting. Uh, I, I really think that, yeah, I think Jalen Hurts really, there is potential there. The talent, Let's look at the intangibles. He's got character, poise, and leadership ability. All of that, check marks, excellent. He, he checks all those boxes, right? Then when you look at what he has done on the field, he showed flashes last year where you can say, hey, this kid's got a lot of talent and he needs seasoning. He needs experience. He needs an off season where he can train as QB1 because last year he didn't even have anything. In they didn't have <clears throat> any off season. And he, he was really a backup quarterback being thrown in for a handful of plays here and there. So now you got a, a young quarterback, a young coaching staff, a quarterback's coach who knows him, who can groom him, build around him, add talent. With that number six pick in the draft, there's some wide receivers. Obviously, Eagles fans want Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith may not be there at number six. He's projected to go higher than that. Jamar Chase should be there. The Eagles have invested in wide receivers in the past couple drafts, and they haven't had success. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in the second round two years ago. Jalen Rieger last year ahead of Justin Jefferson, there's still hope for Jalen Rieger. He was he missed most of the se- or half the season, so there's still hope they can tap into his potential. And maybe the new coaching staff can turn J.J. Ortega-Whiteside from a second-round bust into a serviceable player. They have other young wide receivers. Maybe they bring in another one. If the offensive line comes back at, in some semblance of health, I think Jalen Hurts has the potential to be a dual-threat successful quarterback that you can build around in the NFL. Hopefully the Eagles give him that opportunity because we. I, the last thing I want to see 
is another quarterback controversy, man. It's it's just draining, dude. It's just really draining. Yeah. Um, last thing, and we'll wrap up here. Um, the salary cap issues, we talked about that. Um, they're, they're in salary cap hell for a year. Um, it seems like Jalen Hurts, let's hope, fingers crossed for the best. But do you think internally the Eagles look at 2021 – as a wash season that they cannot contend, they cannot win the NFC East, and that they just got to get through this this rough year. Yeah, I, I I really think they honestly have evaluated themselves. You know, there's been times in the past where we look at it and go, I, they don't realize where they're at, and they're trying to win now when they really should be looking towards the future. I think they're past that mode. I think they recognize that, hey, we are in a – this isn't a retool. This is a total flat-out rebuild so we have to do whatever we can to build for 2022 and 23. And, and that's why they, they're willing to move on from Carson Wentz and, and absorb that ridiculous, significant cap hit. And, and next year, uh, it, it should be better. And, and you know what else? I would anticipate several other veteran players being on the move because they got to get under that salary cap and they got a lot of issues there. So they got to take as much of a hit this offseason as they possibly can and put themselves in a better financial situation for 22 and 23 and the, the key thing is for them to be able to turn this franchise around to go from 4 and 11 to a playoff team is they got to bring in young talent that guys who can perform well on their rookie contract because that's how you can build and sustain success in the nfl and that's something that they haven't done in a long time rob this has been great i appreciate the time today uh what can we check out from you this week on uh in the associated press and on uh, fanatic well, man, I am down in Florida now covering some spring training. and uh, I'm, I'm doing so sorry to hear that. that. That sounds yeah, awful. So, yeah, so I'm about to uh, – you know what's crazy, though? You come down here to spring training and still doing the interviews on Zoom anyway, but at least I get to go to the ballpark and hang out <laughs> and, and see some baseball. So I will not be on the air this weekend at the Fanatic or for the next five weekends, but I'm doing some spring training reports for them, probably right at Bryce Harper story in the next day or so for the AP. I'm going to do something on the young guys and uh, uh, make sure also check out my faith on the field show. Still doing that. And, and that's uh, on a couple stations, 97.5, the fanatic 97.9 ESPN Tallahassee, but it's also turned into a podcast. So faith on the field People can check it out. All right, go do that. Keep up the great work, sir. And stay safe down there. We're back on the Chase Thomas podcast. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined by Karan Blumberg. Fun name to say, and I wanted to say it quickly to see if I could like do it in a quick way without uh, messing it up. But anyway, he is here to talk about the Colts and uh, this new quarterback they have, who has a uh, as a number problem because Michael Pittman is like, no, I, lo- I love my number, so you're not getting my number. Um, we can get into that, but either way, Karan, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. I appreciate you saying the name right. You did it perfect. I like the nice and quick uh, way to say it, but I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Thanks for being here, man. Um, So Carson Wentz, now that you've had a couple days to think about it, to think about how his his fit's going to work with Frank Reich, how this is going to work, what do you make of the Carson Wentz trade? Was it too much? Are you excited about him being your new quarterback? Where, Where are you at with Carson Wentz? 
I would say I'm optimistically excited for Wentz to come in and take over this Colts quarterback situation. Um, we know ever since Andrew Luck retired, they've kind of been searching for a quarterback. They tried Jacoby Brissett. That didn't work out. And then Phillip Rivers did okay for a year. And then they're back in the same situation trying to find their franchise quarterback. Um, so I'm, I'm optimistic about Wentz. You can't ignore last season those horrible turnovers he had 15 interceptions only 16 touchdowns ended up getting benched um you can't ignore that at all but if you look at his i mean obviously everyone knows about the 2017 season mvp candidate before he tore his acl um 33 touchdowns seven interceptions and then 2018 2019 those seasons weren't very bad for him either i mean in 2019 he threw for over 4,000 yards had 27 touchdowns only seven interceptions so if you look at that and you think, okay, what happened in 2020? Is it just a mental thing? Did he give up on the coaches? Maybe maybe teammates um, gave up on him. I don't know what happened in 2020, but you can't, you certainly can't ignore it. But I'm I'm gonna try to look past that and hope for maybe a 2017 or a 2019 season for Wentz. What do you think the fans are expecting? Are they expecting 2017? Or are they just expecting 50, top 15 to 20? Are they expecting him to be better than Rivers was last year, no less? I think people are kind of expecting similar to Rivers. Um, if you remember in 2019 with the Chargers, Rivers had 20 interceptions. Uh, I think he might have led the league in interceptions. Um, but he came to Indy and he kind of fixed those turnover issues. He had a good season, led the Colts to the playoffs. So I feel like they're expecting a similar situation to Phillip Rivers when he came to Indy, um, kind of fixed the turnovers a little bit in the system with Frank Reich, obviously reunited with him, and he's got some more weapons. Um, so I think the system and the weapons are going to, along with the offensive line, they're going to sure up those turnover issues a little bit. I think everyone is not expecting as bad of a 2020 season um, that he had, but I don't think that we're expecting as good of a 2017 season, kind of somewhere in between. Interesting. Um, do you think Philip Rivers was the main reason as to why the Indianapolis Colts did not have maybe the season that uh, Colts fans were hoping for this year? No, I don't think so at all. I think Philip Rivers played above my expectations. I think he played a little bit above everybody's expectations. Um, obviously, we all wanted the Colts to get back into the playoffs. Obviously, we wanted them to win a playoff game or maybe make a run towards the Super Bowl. But with Philip Rivers and his lack of mobility, that was kind of hard to do. But with him in the offense, he... He won them more games than they won in 2019, um, and he kind of upgraded the passing offense from Jacoby Brissett. He was able to launch the ball down the field a little bit more. So he exceeded my expectations. I definitely don't think he was the reason that they were held back or the reason that they lost their playoff game. Jonathan Taylor, is he then – like it's kind of interesting that he is in the same division as Derrick Henry to me because if you look mm -hmm. at what he was doing when he was healthy last year and his vision and where what kind of running back he is because these kinds of running backs are just so rare um these days but henry being the force of nature that he is do you think jonathan taylor is on track to being not derrick henry because there's only one derrick henry but that number two in the league where it's like oh this guy is just like you throw out the the conventional wisdom on running backs with jonathan taylor 
Yeah, I think so. Obviously, Derrick Henry is a whole monster in itself, like you mentioned. I mean, the size is just, there's no way to replicate the size of Derrick Henry. But Jonathan Taylor, he's got good size. Um, if you watch him, if you watched him early in the season last year in 2020, his vision wasn't very good um, early on adjusting to the NFL. Obviously, Marlon Mack got hurt week one, so he was thrown into that starting role a little bit before the Colts wanted him to be. His vision wasn't that good at first, but the difference from week two Jonathan Taylor to week nine Jonathan Taylor was such a huge difference. You could see that growth. And he's really got all the tools to be one of the best, if not even one day the best running back in the league. He kind of reminds me of a mini Adrian Peterson. He's got the burst. He's got Mm. the speed. He's got the power. He's got, you know, the jukes. He's got everything. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is a complete package. He did drop some passes in the big moments in the playoff game. Um, So you want to shore that up. But as far as running the football, he's got absolutely every single tool it takes. Are you concerned uh, when with Wentz coming in with an offensive line? Like, he got pressured a bunch in Philadelphia last year. Are you concerned with where the offensive line is at left tackle? Um, I'm not as concerned as I think some fans are. I think the rest of the other four offensive linemen, obviously the left tackle is going to be playing next to Quentin Nelson, yeah. who's an all-pro, and Ryan Kelly, who's a pro bowler on that left side. So I think the left tackle position, if you just get someone who's average – I think they're going to be able to hold their own with the, the how good the rest of the offensive line is. But I do worry a little bit about Carson Wentz playing some hero ball. We know that he's done that in his career. Um, obviously, you want your quarterback to be able to extend plays and, and make those big plays like we see Patrick Mahomes and we saw Andrew Luck make. But Wentz sometimes seems like he can do it a little bit too much or maybe um, not make the the right reads off of it. So I'm a little worried that he's going to hold the ball a little too much. But I think the system overall, and I think the Colts, they have got the fourth most, I think it is, cap space in the league. They they still got their first-round pick. So they're going to address that left tackle position. I'm not too concerned about it. Interesting. Um, Marcus Brady promoted to OC. Uh, Matt Eberflus stays on. Are you surprised Eberflus has stayed with Frank Reich for as long as he has? I was surprised because initially it wasn't even Reich's um, hire. It was Josh McDaniel's hire. So it was a nice move by Reich to keep him along when he got hired and then to see the success that he's had. And then, um, you know, obviously I wasn't expecting that much success from him, especially since Reich didn't even pick that as his DC. Um, So I was surprised by that. And then I'm also surprised by the lack. I mean, I know he's had some head coaching interviews, but it seems like, teams have gone other ways and i i just thought he's way overperformed with who he's had on the defense i know the colts have some good defensive players but i mean the lack of edge rush last year was pretty prominent and then you bring in xavier rhodes and you, you revive him and make his career uh good again so i just think he's done a lot with what he's had and i'm, I'm surprised that he didn't get promoted to a head coach somewhere else when you look at this defense and you look at the pass rush Houston um, may or may not be coming back there. Um, are you concerned more about the pass rush or the secondary? I would say 100% the pass rush. I think if the Colts are looking, how do I beat Patrick Mahomes? How do I beat Josh Allen? Those are kind of the two teams, the Bills and the Chiefs, that they're trying to catch up to right now. And those are two quarterbacks that can make plays. They can get out of the pocket. They can step up in the pocket. Um, they can launch the ball far down the field. So their main priority, I think, this offseason is going to be finding a consistent edge rusher. There's a few good ones on the market. 
Um, there's some good ones in the draft. So I think they're going to address that early. And I think that's 100% my biggest concern with this Colts team, but they've got plenty of, plenty of ways to address it. So let's just hope Chris Ballard can work his magic. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Um, when you look at the 2021 season, you look at uh, where the Titans are at, you look at the Jaguars rebuilding, you look at the, the implosion in Houston, you look at just the AFC as a whole, uncertainty with Ben Roethlisberger, um, whether or not Josh Allen can build off his, his season um, from last year. Um, obviously, the Patrick Mahomes question still looms large, but outside of the Chiefs, do you think if everything clicks with Wentz that the Colts should be in that upper-tier playoff team status in the AFC at the very least? Yeah, I think 100% if Wentz plays anything like he did from 2017 to 2019 with those stats and with this system. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it already, but I don't think Carson Wentz has ever had a 1,000-yard rusher. And as a rookie last year, Jonathan Taylor already rushed for over 1,000 yards. So the Colts, we know they're going to run the ball. Um, and adding a quarterback that can be a little bit more mobile and can also sling the rock, we know Carson Wentz is a gunslinger. Um, I think that is going to maybe take them to the next step. The only thing is Wentz has to take care of the ball. I think the system will, will do that for him. But, yeah, I think the Colts are in that top tier of the AFC after this move, as long as we don't get 2020 Wentz. That's the biggest concern. Are you at all concerned with the Colts not – trying to trade up for their own young quarterback of the future that they they keep going with the the winces and the rivers and part of this is just because they got dealt a bad hand with andrew luck but do you do you wonder why they're not they haven't tried to trade up or try it and like take a flyer on a mac jones in the first or why they are dead set on going the veteran route at the quarterback position yeah i've wondered a little bit obviously a veteran you feel like gives you a better chance to win at this moment and with Wentz's history and how he played um, and with Rivers history and how he played those were kind of pickups that you can make make sense but obviously you you don't want to be in this situation every year if you're a Colts fan you're thinking well we could be in this exact same situation next year if Wentz plays bad this year the Colts can't keep moving forward with him they're gonna have to move on and they're gonna have to eventually take that quarterback in the draft but Chris Ballard has reiterated over and over that you can trade up for a quarterback in the draft you can take a shot at a quarterback in the draft but it doesn't matter unless it's the right one and I agree with that you can't just trade you know two first round picks and second round picks and a player to get up into the top five and take the quarterback and then that quarterback end up not being you know what you think he's going to be so it concerns me that the Colts still have that question, even with Wentz. We don't know how that's going to turn out. But I'm going to trust Ballard, and I'm, I'm just going to go with it, and we're going to see how it goes. That's <laughs> all you can do. That's all you can do. Uh, well, this yep. has been great, Karan. I appreciate uh, you making the time. What uh, can the good folks check out from you on, uh, on the Internet? You said that my Internet handles? Oh yeah, your your internet handles, whatever you got cooking da- down the line. What uh, what would you like to plug before we wrap up here? 
Uh, my Twitter handle is at Karan Vonberg. It's C-H-A-R-O-N-V-O-N-B-E-R-G. You can follow me on there. I tweet about the Colts mostly, tweet about the Pacers. Sometimes I'll throw in some random random NFL and NBA stuff. Um, but, yeah, that's what I'm cooking up right now. All right. Well, keep up the great work, sir. Good luck this season, and uh, we'll have to check back again soon. I appreciate you, Jay. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.